Welcome to the Soulful CXO, where we discuss leadership principles, core values, health, wellness, and resiliency. I'm Dr. Rebecca Wynn, the founder and the host of the show. Do you have a topic or guests you would like to be featured on the show? Would you like to be a sponsor? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Rebecca at SoulfulCXO.com. Please go to our partner, Cybersecurity Tribe, for weekly show recaps and other resources. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Soulful CXO. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Wynn, and we are pleased to have with us today, Gary Haslip. Gary has well over 25 years in information technology, security, leadership, risk management experience, and exceptional record in success in leading multiple diverse teams in security risk governance and supporting organizational goals and objectives. He's currently the CISO for SoftBank Investment Advisors. Previous roles include multiple CISO, CIO, Deputy Director of IT and Privacy Officer roles for the U.S. Navy, both as active duty and as a federal government employee, the City of San Diego, California, and WebRoot Software. Gary and I both served together in advisory boards in several industries, but he also serves on numerous ones for different companies, such as Proofpoint, Box, Ana, and Cyber Reason. He has co-authored five books under his co-founded label, CISO Reference Guide. And his latest book, if you haven't read it yet, is Develop Your Cybersecurity Career Path, How to Break into Cybersecurity at Any Level. And that was released in July 2021. They're all great books. Most read. You can go up to the website and grab them from Amazon anywhere of your choice. I recommend that not only for CISOs, but CIOs and CTOs as well. Additionally, you can read numerous other writings, such as CIO Review, CISO Online, LinkedIn, CyberWire, Forbes, Dark Reading, and numerous other places. Gary, my friend, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I'm really happy to be here. Hey, Gary, for people who don't really know your background, can you lead us through a little bit of your education? I know that you're one of the few people I've met who actually started out the education and, and doing cybersecurity and how that led you into the military career. Yeah, uh, I was in the military, the U.S. Navy. And my job in the Navy, I worked in the advanced electronics field. You know, and we, my job title was I was a fire controlman. I worked on advanced weapon systems. And the way the Navy does it is they train you to where you learn the whole system. So you could be in school six, eight, 10 months at a time learning, you know, new systems, learning the electronics and the computers and the heat exchangers and the radar systems and stuff. And it's just, you know, to me, it just, you know, all the different schooling that I was doing, I just got really fascinated with computers. And more and more, I got a chance to work on things and break things. So I, I just kind of look at it as I already had that need to get involved with computers and work with them and stuff before I joined the military. And then the military just kind of opened up that spigot and just turned it loose and, and, and just let me run with it. You've talked to this a couple of times, and you and I have talked separately about this. But in today's age, we have so many people who are virtual, and you don't always have everybody in the office. Keeping our our staff engaged in constantly learning. You and I come from a school, the more you know, the more you know you don't know, so teach me. How do you do that? How do you keep your, your staff engaged in learning at, at the same time with this fast-paced world? How, how do you manage that? And what do you suggest that people do to, to get some of those resources that are out there? Yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, you'd be amazed at how many, you know, free resources are out there. How many you know, how many resources are available, even from vendors. I mean, I look at my security stack. I look at vendors that I'm a customer of, 
you know, and I always, every time that I look at a renewal, or every time I look at bringing in a new technology, not only am I looking at the technology and the professional services to install it, I'm always asking about training. And I'm always asking about recurring training, you know, to make sure that my staff, you know, get a chance to actually work on these assets and learn them and learn, you know, learn the technology and get educated on it. And, and that's just one, you know, and then I'm always looking at talking with the company where I'm at, hey, what funding do I have for conferences or what funding do I have for online training? You know, I'm mentoring and working with my staff, the one-on-ones with them. And then we do group meetings when we're together. And there's times where we're looking at new technologies. There's times where we will be reading a book together and discussing the things that are in the book. And no, it's just not my books. We'll look at a lot of different things out there. But it's the thing with this is that you want to spend time with them for their professional growth. Because when you have somebody on your team, they're not going to stay in one place. They're going to want to grow. They're going to want to learn new things. And you should encourage that. And so I, myself, I'm always reading and working on things and working on certs and doing stuff. And so I, not only do I, I try to set the example, but I also encourage them as well. And then we even put it in our, our goals that we have for the year. There's always at least one professional goal, you know, that each of us will have where we're working on a specific cert or we're looking to, or a degree, or we're working to finish certain, you know, classes that we're working on. Um, I let them choose, though I, I do try to guide them depending on where they want to go, you know, within their career path. Now, because you mentioned certifications, and that's been a bugaboo of mine for a while now, now that so many of the certifications end up having tests out there. And I know you and I both are on ethics boards. How, how do you go about gauging people when you're interviewing people, putting out job descriptions out there, that you're really testing that the people really know the material and not that, you know, let's face yeah. it, that they just went to some sort of cert farm out there. How do you recommend people weed out for that? Because that's being a real problem in the industry right now. Yeah. And, and in fact, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny you brought that up because I mean, there's, there's, you know, several peers of ours that have just ranted about this. Um, and I think it's, you know, when you, when you're hiring somebody, you look beyond just the cert piece, you look at kind of the whole person. You know, what I look at is I look at career progression and, and what roles that they've been in, what jobs they've taken. I look at involvement in the community. Are they involved with different professional organizations? Are they taken as a leadership within those organizations and volunteering? What are they doing at home? What projects are you working on? What are you building? You'd be surprised how many times, you know, I find someone, okay, they may not have, you know, the whole list of certs. They may only have a couple, but, you know, they go ahead and they go to meetups and they go to DEF CON and they're volunteering and, you know, at, um, at Capture the Flag events. And they got like three or four different projects that they're doing at home. And that's what I look for is that passion. Sometimes I don't need the search. Instead, what I need is the passion. And the reason is, is because we know cybersecurity as a career, you know, you're in it for the long haul. It's a stressful job. You know, it's a lot of hard work. You're continuously dealing with threats and with issues, not just within the security stack, but the IT stack and then the organization itself, the various technologies and the things that business is doing today. And cyber is so intertwined in business operations today that, you know, you've got to have people that love technology and find cybersecurity fascinating and enjoy the field and are willing to put up with that crap. <laughs> you know, they're willing to put up with how rough the job is going to get. You know, and it does not get easier the more senior you get. In fact, it does get harder and more stressful. You know, the reason why many of us have talked about self-care and everything, you know, about yourself and for your teams. 
Certs to me are important because I look for the basics, but I also look beyond that. And I'm willing to go ahead and say, okay, they may not have this, but they're doing all of these other things and they interview well. And I really think that they're going to be a good fit for the team. And so it's, that's what I'm saying is they try to look at the whole person, you know, when, when you interview them. Now, those are excellent points. I tell people you need to keep in mind when you have a performance-based exam versus a common-based knowledge exam, two different types of exam. And the one thing I think also is the critical thinking. If you don't have people who can write well, who can't communicate well, forget about it and anything else unless they maybe want to be in a special area of our field. That really brings into tying into how that builds into our cybersecurity resiliency as, as building teams. And I know you've written quite a bit about in your books, as well as in articles about like the five core steps on building a cybersecurity resiliency team. Can you walk us through that? That's really important as we go into, you know, the next three, six, nine months and coming off most recently things when people are looking at, do we really have a good cybersecurity resiliency going on? Do we really have a good roadmap? Can you walk us through that? Well, I mean, you know, are we talking about like the roadmap I put together for building out a program or what I do for building out a team? Both. When you build out a cybersecurity team or strategy, if you're not thinking about your team, your strategy is going to fail. So yeah. if you kind of tie them both together. Yeah, it, honestly, it just comes from experience. I mean, you know, for me, I typically do a continuous assessment. Even when I do my first, you know, kind of assessment, whether I'm using CIS or whether I'm using, you know, NIST CSF, I, uh, I'm just looking for a baseline. You know, how, you know, or I, you know, like to joke about when I sometimes when I'm talking with boards, I'm just like, how deep is the rabbit hole? <laughs> but I'm just trying to kind of baseline where we're at, what we're doing well and what we're not doing well. And then from that list, you know, the list of issues, you know, I actually go with into the other departments. I talk with my peers and I have them help me prioritize, kind of rack and stack it. And I try to align it to the business. And then with that list of issues, now that it's kind of aligned to the business, I then take a look at my teams. I look at what technologies I have in the stack, what current projects I have. I look at the people that I basically got in my team, what skill sets they bring, not just tech skill sets. I'm also looking at soft skills too, who can communicate very well and who has issues with that, who works really well together in a team atmosphere and who kind of likes to work on their own. And then you weigh these, these different things together and then looking at your technologies and then looking at now this list of prioritized issues. Some of these may be projects or new technologies that you're going to be bringing in over the next 18 to 24 months, depending on budget and the business. Some of them may require, you know, hey, okay, I'm going to replace our firewalls. We're looking for something more of a larger secure platform. And this new one that we're looking at, I'm going to need someone with experience with that. And currently right now, I don't have anybody, you know, or the fact that we're we're more of an on-prem organization. And now we're looking to go ahead and go really as much as possible into the cloud. The stack's going to shift. is going to be different. You know, now all of a sudden you're going to be very focused on IAM and you're going to be very focused on data security. And my staff may be focused on the traditional endpoint security. And all of a sudden, you know, hey, I'm going to need some people that understand 2FA, that understand how we're going to go ahead and handle 300 plus SaaS apps. And I'm going to have to go ahead and assign business owners to them or some way in which we can audit them. You know, the the security issues are still there. The threats and risks are still there, but your stacks is going to change. The technologies you use may shift because you're looking at things differently now as you go more on the digital side, you go more cloud. That's going to cause you to have to change your team, either through training, you know, you got to get, you know, people some more training to get ready, you know, for the change that's coming, 
or you know you do a little bit of each you know i'm going to go ahead and train some people and i'm going to bring on one or two senior people that'll go ahead and lead you know these change projects that we have coming up and then i'll build a team around them as we move forward you know and so it's it's a matter of you know doing the continuous assessment partnering with the departments around you that kind of help level set you and keep you aligned to the business. And then they're aware of what you're doing so that as you start the third piece, as you start moving towards your projects that go ahead and deal with your risk, you don't interfere with the business. And then at the same time, internally within the team itself, you start looking at who you have hired, what you're going to need, who you're going to go ahead and train, start looking at the skill sets, and the last piece from a technology standpoint is, what are you going to decommission? What are you going to get rid of? Is there a way possibly over this, this you know, strategic plan you're putting together, can we consolidate? Can we remove five different platforms and consolidate down to one or two that now actually provide more services? There's some really interesting companies out there now that at one time used to only offer one or two products, and now they offer seven or eight, and they're building out these platforms that's when you start having this discussion of, okay, I've got my prioritized list. I've been told to go forward and conquer. I've looked at my team. I've already kind of you know, laid out what I'm going to need from a skills perspective. The departments around me know what we're working on. Leadership knows what we're working on. I've got budget. Now I need to look at it from the technology standpoint. You know, how do we go ahead and consolidate and integrate? How do we get better? And then the last piece is just understanding this is going to take time you're going to need to go ahead and do this in increments. I usually do it in 12-month increments and I'm constantly reassessing. It makes it easier as a CISO to also report out, you know, and and you're able to report where you're at within these projects, how you're doing with the specific resources you have, how you're doing with the FTEs you currently have and what you're going to need, you know, for the next 12 months as specific projects come along. All intertwined. I find that you don't want to do it behind closed doors. You want to keep the departments involved with you. You want to be visible so people know what you're working on. And the reason is, is everything that you do is going to impact the business. You know, it's unfortunately, we're, we're, we're change magnets. You know, CISOs and security teams do impact the business. You just don't want it to be negative. You know, you don't want it to be in a, in a negative context. You want, it to, you want them to understand the value of what you're bringing. And there may be a little bit of pain as you adjust to something new. You know, the culture may not like having to do new things, but if you've done your job and they see their things visible and they know your team members and they know what you're working on and you've done brown bag sessions and they can see where you're going, they're willing to give you a benefit of the doubt. They're willing to trust you that, hey, this may be painful, but yeah, we're going to do 2FA. This may be painful, but yeah, this new email platform actually does provide us better security. Those kind of steps, you got to get everybody involved and you got to document and you got to go ahead and, and as you're moving forward, you're continually assessing and you're always reviewing and managing your team to make sure not only do they have the technical resources, but they also have the skill sets and everything that they need to be successful. You know, today, right now, the CISO in our, our structure is really in flux. We end up having cloud infrastructure teams who think they should be able to control everything. You have standard infrastructure, think they should control everything. You end up having engineering who thinks they should control. You have product development who thinks they control. And a lot of times when we talk about things that used to be underneath us, they're not underneath us. And so then you're talking about being a business enabler and you're like, I just got hit out of the blue. Don't even know what you guys are doing because we just approved a budget over here and you guys just did something opposite because you said you're going to implement. How do you navigate that and have you navigated that successfully? Because that's the real challenge today in today's CISOs. 
You know, the, and, and, and you're right. I mean, the, the job that you and I knew like 10, 15 years ago is not it today. It is, I have to admit, it's, it's changed a lot. And I think it's, you know, and, and it's, and it's actually a good thing. I think it's actually a good thing. Um, but the change is just coming extremely fast. And I think a lot of it is that businesses are still kind of kicking around and trying to figure out how to use this role. Because the when you really look at it, cybersecurity is just a domain of different types of knowledge. And, and when you get an executive coming in who has 10 or 15 years of experience within there, they just don't have you know experience and training and education in one area. They tend to have a pretty broad breadth of knowledge. And a lot of times organizations aren't really sure how to use an executive with those types of skill sets. And sometimes they tend to use her, you know, him or her for three or four different things, you know, and it tends to scatter systems as they try to figure out and get their place within the organization as to, okay, this is, this is what I'm actually supposed to be here for. And instead they're like, okay, I'm here for this and also this and also this, you know, and it just kind of grows. But to go ahead and kind of control a lot of that, again, I honestly think that, you know, being involved with the other departments, having them in, you know, myself, the way I've done it in the past is I've gone ahead and I've had peers involved with everything that I'm working on. You know, I'm briefing them. I do my, I do my, my, my monthly security committee briefing where I'll have people from other departments sitting in. So they're, they're aware of what we're dealing with and what threats we're blocking and, and what projects we're working on. Um, getting them involved, even in the initial phase when I'm doing assessments and, I'm having them go through and not just look at it from a security lens, but a business lens so that I can prioritize what issues I need to work on. They've got buy-in, so they kind of own a little bit of the security program just because they're involved with my team. But another thing to also look at, there are some things, and you just have to face it as a CISO, there are some things that may be better in other departments. When I was at WebRoot, I constantly worked back and forth with the VP of Dev. And then we had about roughly about eight different development teams. And I finally decided, okay, I can't have a security AppSec team and have them go ahead and periodically just pot shot the dev team. So instead, the security team actually is part of dev and the leader of that team just reports back to me, you know, and it's easier to do it that way. Now I've got insight. I know what they're working on, but that team is embedded with them, works with them, does the standups, does the sprints, you know, does their scrum calls. You know, and periodically, I might every once in a while sit in just so I see what they're doing. But I don't need to control that team. That team can run. The, the leader of that team, can, you know, her and I can do one-on-ones and go ahead and chat and see where they're at, what they need. You know, and then periodically that team will sync up with the rest of the security teams to do like larger security training. But you got to be okay that sometimes you got to let, be okay with satellite teams, be okay to go ahead and embed security. My thing is, is, I don't, I'm not worried about managing and controlling the people. I'm worried about managing the risk across the whole business. And if that's what I need to do, that's fine. You know, I'm more than happy to go ahead and partner with dev or partner with production or whoever I need to. And if we want to bake security in and it, when we go ahead and we take a look at it, it's a lot easier to have the team with them than it is with me. From a skill set perspective, I can grab a couple of the dev people that want to learn security that are actually very knowledgeable and add one or two FTEs with that, spin that up, we can get a quick security team running very fast and I can start managing those risks and I can go ahead and just stand back and let that run and start dealing with that risk. So that's that's what I look at it is that 
you know, you don't need to control it all. There are specific things in operations and stuff like that that you're going to need to manage it just basically fall within your area. But there's going to be things where you got to be comfortable with where, you know, other departments will have to manage and you just partner with them. Earlier when we were speaking, you talked about balance and I agree with that myself. People know that I work out and I play trombone. What do you do to keep your balance? Um, I read. <laughs> you know, everything from science fiction to computers to politics and ethics, it's just a wide range of stuff. I write. I Lego Star Wars. I've got Legos all over the, you know, all over my office in here. I spend a lot of time with my family. I like being outdoors. And I actually raise roses. I have about 13 different varieties in our flower beds. I like spending a lot of time outdoors working with that. Also, I love Volkswagen bugs. I really like working (laughs) with with my hands. Mm -hmm. It's just things like that where I can go out and I can work and I can be doing things and I can let my mind wander, you know, and just kind of relax. And I find a lot of times, whether I'm out for a walk or whether I'm, you know, doing yard work and, and, and working, you know, in the flower beds or something, that that's when I come up with ideas for things to write on. You know, it's like my mind kind of just splits and the rest of me kind of relaxes. And then the machine over here is running. It's like, oh, yeah, we could do this and that, and that. And I start just, yeah, it's amazing how many times I get really interesting ideas out on a walk or just sitting there with a wrench in my hand working on something. And I'm like, Hey, what about this? Yeah, that's a lot of what I do. And I encourage that with my staff. They need to have things outside of security. You know, they can be involved in the community and you're going to a lot of the professional orgs and you're mentoring and, and working with people and stuff, but you still need to have things that are outside of, of security. Because this, honestly, this, <laughs> I think the cybersecurity is one of the few career fields that will eat you alive, you know, if you let it if you let the stress and everything go ahead and, and get to you, you've got to be able to have to be able to turn it off and have a life. No, I, those are always great points. And I think that we have to remind ourselves to have balance and to have a variety of, of balance, not just one outlet walking around the block and only walking around the block. It's not enough in that light. You got to have yeah. a couple little things. So Gary, if, if people want to get a hold of you for conferences or, or speaking opportunities or, or want to partner with you in some aspect, what's the best way to go ahead and get a hold of you? Typically, uh, people just reach out on LinkedIn to go ahead and get a hold of me. And usually, it's, they get a hold of me or they get a hold of one of our peers, somebody that we know, and they go, hey, you know, so-and-so wants to chat with you real quick. My co-authors that I've written several of my books with, Bill Bonney and Matt Stanford, we have a the CISO Desk Reference Guide page up on LinkedIn where all of our books are at and stuff like that. So sometimes people will reach there or they just reach out directly on LinkedIn. That's great. Gary, really appreciate your time. You are a soulful CXO. (laughs) Thank you very much.